You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Terry Riley from our sermon series, The Beatitudes, Jesus's Talk on the Hill. For more information, please visit our website at creekside.org. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Creekside Online. We're thrilled that you're here today. Wow, I love it. We're entering into the Christmas season full bore. I hope that the joy of Jesus is just filling your home and your car and your life. And uh, thanks for joining with us today. We're going to continue our study in the Beatitudes. So I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter five, beginning at verse one. How many of you think that this whole world is a mess and there needs to be significant change? Yeah, I think I see all of those hands out there. How many of you think that the change starts with you and me? See, Jesus came to this earth to bring the change that we all long for. And ultimately, loved ones, hear me. It starts with you and me. See, Jesus' central message of the gospel, the good news, was repent for the kingdom of God had come to this earth. It was near in him because Jesus is the king and he brought the kingdom of God near. Uh, But it wasn't a political kingdom as we understand today. It was the reign and rule of God. And he invites us into it to be a part of it. We're invited to allow God to reign in our lives, to be our Lord, to be our savior and to be our leader. I think we could all agree, those of us who've taken that step with God, that man, this just changes everything. It's this new relationship with God where we're becoming new people. We're being transformed. We enjoy a new relationship with other. And we have this new purpose and new uh, purposes and will of God to be worked out in our lives. I mean, the scripture says, and we're going to see it in just another chapter or two where Jesus says, I want you to pray this way. Pray that thy kingdom come, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not unusual for me to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in Terry as it is in heaven, because I'm part of his kingdom. Matthew 5 through 7 is uh, Jesus' teaching. They call it the Sermon on the Mount. We call it the Talk on the Hill because it probably wasn't a real large mountain that he was talking from. But this is some of the most challenging, difficult, ethical teaching in the world. People read it. They begin to gain a little bit of understanding, even as we have been these last few weeks. And they say, oh, this is good, but it's hard. It's difficult. Well, Uh, I want to tell you, it's not so much that it's tough or difficult. It is impossible to live. Matter of fact, I've received a couple of emails uh, over the last few weeks and people have said, oh, this is good. It's really helpful. But man, I feel like it's just so hard to live out day after day. You know, it's really hard to live out the Sermon on the Mount on your own strength because you and I, we will fail. We will falter and we'll become frustrated. 
So a lot of people say, well, what's the point? Why do we even deal with it then? Well, I want to suggest that this teaching by Jesus is more descriptive rather than prescriptive. He's defining and describing what kingdom life, living and walking with Jesus is going to look like and what he's going to do in us and what it looks like to live with him as part of his kingdom under his rule and under his reign. See, life with Jesus in the kingdom, uh, it's not easy, but it is definitely the best life. That's why he says uh, in each one of these Beatitudes is, blessed are you. He doesn't say, do this, do this. He says, blessed are you as you are becoming what he is talking about. But he also realizes you can't do it on your own. But don't we all try? Don't we all sometimes think that we can? One of the most endearing endearing things about children is that they want to do things themselves. I want to do it. I want to try it. And of course, that's really good for them to be able to do that because that's how they learn. That's how they grow. But imagine your four-year-old or a four-year-old and mama, daddy, uh, their teddy bear is ripped. And so they got to get out a needle and a thread and they want to show the child uh, what it looks like to sew something. And so they start to get the needle and the thread out and they start trying to poke it in. And pretty soon the four-year-old says, let me do it. I want to do it. I want to put the thread in the needle. So we give the needle and the thread to them and they're trying and they're trying. And pretty soon that piece of thread is just always balling up and they get kind of frustrated. And they said, here, you do it. You see, there's this cooperative effort. That's the kind of thing that sometimes we try and do with the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, he said this, or this is what it says. Jesus taught this, so I'm going to do it. But hear me, loved ones, it's a cooperative effort with the Spirit of God at work in us. As a matter of fact, Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, God has granted us, he's granted you, he's granted me everything pertaining to life and godliness. So to enter the kingdom of God, uh, we simply become followers of Jesus by choice and repentance. We live with Jesus, we talk with Jesus, we pray to Jesus, we listen for the Spirit's voice coming from Jesus. It's all about a relationship with Jesus, where he works with us to transform us and make us new creations in his life. And and this sermon simply describes this new life, what it looks like together with Jesus in his kingdom, rule, realm, and reign. Now, these first four Beatitudes are dealing with one's inner attitudes and the attitudes that we take on as we choose to step into a relationship with God. The last four Beatitudes, of which we're starting today, are the outer manifestations of the first four. When we understand our need because we're poor in spirit, we mourn and repent over our sin. We become meek and humble because of where we are and how we are in life. And then we begin to hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. The result will simply be the outward manifestations of these next four things that really deal with people because God's working uh, within us. So let's pick it up today and let's start uh, that second group of four that talk about our outward relationships with people. Matthew chapter five, verse one, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, I love that verse. I love those two, three words, saw the crowds. He sees you. He sees me. It says that Jesus went up to the mountain and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. That's what disciples do. They're always going to Jesus. They want to hear his voice. They want to hear his word. And then Jesus began to teach them. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, because they're going to be filled. And then today it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, as you read this, you go, okay, well, what's, what's mercy? What does it have to do with? Well, let me explain what mercy isn't. Because I think that as you read this, there's an expectation. It doesn't say, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy from others that they show mercy to in return. That's kind of how we interpret it and we think it. Okay, if I show mercy to this person, they're going to show it back. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that because I show mercy to somebody here or over here that they're going to give it to me back. I'm sure that most of us, many of us have stories, have life examples and experiences where we've done something, we've shown mercy, we've shown goodness, we've cared and given love to somebody. And man, there was absolutely no reciprocal return on it. And we wonder, well, what happened? I thought if I did this, I got this back. And you say, that doesn't seem like that's what it's saying. Uh, I thought we just got mercy back from whoever we gave it to. Well, you may need a biblical example. Let me give you one. Think of the life of Jesus. Jesus Christ was the most loving, caring, compassionate, merciful person that ever walked this earth. He never caused anyone problems. He never hurt anybody. When he saw the broken or the hurt, he spoke life into them. When he saw the crippled, he would heal them. When he saw the blind, he would give them sight. When he saw the sinners, he would work and begin to forgive them. He would call children unto himself and he would bless them. And he would use these children as a reminder to the disciples of those days and say, hey, listen, this is what we need to become like little children. He embraced the marginalized and drew them close to him with his incredible love and care and compassion and mercy. But it was this most merciful person that the world has ever known. The most caring person that the people, the very people that he gave mercy to called for his blood and ending up crucifying him. You see, loved ones, just because we're merciful to somebody or someone's doesn't mean that they are going to be merciful back to us. Because see, if that was the truth, then mercy really, uh, if it was a reward or some kind of quid pro quo relationship, well, it wouldn't really be mercy. It would just be giving something and getting something in return. But see, the mercy of God, the mercy that Jesus talks about, it's so important because, well, like him, he gave it without any expectation in return. He gave it to everybody, but they have to reach out and receive it and embrace it. So what is being merciful all about? Well, someone said that mercy is not getting what you deserve, and that is so true. When we respond to Jesus, the king and his kingdom, we don't get what we deserve. Because our God is mercy full, full of incredible mercy. I mean, I could list a bunch of these, but let me just give you a couple. Deuteronomy 4.31 says, The Lord our God is a merciful God. 
Uh, Jesus told the religious leaders, he said, this is important. I want you to hear this. Matthew 9, 13, he says, I want you to go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What is he saying to those religious people? He's saying, I'm not really interested in your religious liturgies. I'm not interested in your religious ceremonies. What I'm interested in is that you as a follower of me would become people of mercy. Later in the gospel of Luke chapter six, Jesus says this, but love your enemies, do good and lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will then be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, therefore, because of what I just said, be merciful, just as your father is also merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken forth, running over, and it will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. <laughs> now, a lot of preachers love this passage, don't they? Because that's one they'll oftentimes use to say, give money. If you give us a little bit, man, you'll get a lot. Interestingly, hear me. Uh, this really doesn't have much to do with money. I'm sure that there's an application of that principle financially that you just can't outgive God but it really has little to do with it. Here Jesus is saying that when you're merciful, when you're helping, when you're loving, when you're forgiving, and when you're giving, God promises that he will make sure it is returned to you. Well, I thought you just said, Terry, that, that whoever we give mercy to doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get mercy back from. Absolutely. But here God promises, I love this, Jesus says, don't worry, you will get mercy. First of all, you get mercy from this God that loves you, that just cares for you. And that's where our mercy starts and we receive from. But I'm convinced of this, that Jesus makes this promise. And he says, you may not get it from the people you give it to, and that's fine. But I'll make sure that you get the mercy back to you that you've given to others. And I got to tell you, I've seen that in my life. Now, there's times where, you know, you give mercy to somebody, you may not get it there, but it's incredible how God provides it from others and through others. Well, so how do we see this mercy thing? I want you to see it in three different ways. First of all, mercy is something that you begin to feel. But it's much more than just a, a feeling sorry for someone or something. The, the word has the idea of getting into somebody's skin where you get in and you can see things through their eyes. You can think things through their mind and you can feel things with their feelings. And this kind of empathy comes from a deliberate and a conscious identification with the other person. So it's really just, you step into their shoes and you imagine what would it be like for them to be in this situation? It's not some kind of accidental wave of emotion where it just kind of comes over you. But it's a deliberate attempt that as you're walking, as you're living, 
You begin to see people where they are and begin to understand their feelings. It's a decision to put yourself where other people are and try to understand them instead of just always blowing by. I'm not saying we do it for everybody, but when you're walking with Jesus, you can have these spirit promptings where we become more sensitive to the people around us. Of course, Jesus is the greatest example. He literally stepped into the skin of humanity as God, walked in our shoes. God becoming a man in the form of Jesus Christ so that he could experience what you and I experience. (laughs) Isn't that really what all the season is about that we've entered into? I mean, just look at the beautiful decor. I love it. It's all about Jesus, God, coming in the flesh as Emmanuel, God, with us. And Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows, friends, what you're going through. He knows where you are. He knows what we're all going through because he's gone through it. He understands it. He's walked where we've walked. He's experienced what we've experienced. And here's the truth. We can approach the throne of grace and we can receive mercy and help in our times. But here's the deal. He wants us to not only receive this mercy, but he says, blessed are you when you're merciful. Blessed are you when you feel this mercy. Blessed are you when you experience it for other people. And then it moves from this feeling and this emotion to mercy becomes doing. You see, our feelings and our emotions often should lead us to action where, well, you're just open to step into those times that God designs for you in your daily living where you can step into another person's pain, another person's hurt, another person's difficulty to help relieve their suffering. Hey, we all know, we, we understand that it takes time to get into other people's lives as we organize our time based on kingdom values because that's what it takes. We sometimes think that, that sex, success is always getting things done and moving the mission forward, which is incredibly important. Uh, but sometimes God says, I want you to slow down a little bit. I want you to be willing to step in to other people's pain because that's what mercy is all about. That's what Jesus did. Matter of fact, it was just this morning, Trina was prepping a breakfast for uh, some people in a small group. And um, it was early, early in the morning and I happened to be out in the garage and all of a sudden this fire truck EMTs come pulling in to our court. And uh, we were kind of wondering what was going on. And uh, Trina stepped outside because it was kind of parked closer to our neighbor. And our, and our neighbor is someone that Trina has really worked to develop a relationship with over the last year and done a, a phenomenal job just caring for her and watching over her. So she went out there and saw that it 
was the neighbor. I was really moved because I know Trina is like the hostess with the mostest and she wanted everything to be perfect this morning. But here's what she did. She uh, took her pan and she simply took it off the stove, went outside to check on it, check on our neighbor, her new friend over the last year. That's what mercy is. It's stepping in to somebody else's pain and difficult. Much of Jesus's ministry happened on the way. It's in the margins of life. When interruptions come that were commonplace to Jesus, he would stop and minister to the hurting. How often, loved ones, do we have margins in place to allow for those times to be able to assist and be merciful to people in their pain and and their hurt? Now, this isn't easy. I, I understand that. Because we're so consumed with getting things done and busyness and production. Uh, Many know the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 about a traveler who was robbed and beaten uh, on the road to Jericho. He was left on the road simply to die. Two religious people looked at him and they were probably too busy to stop. So they went on the other side of the road and they walked by. And then all of a sudden an enemy of a Jew, a Samaritan comes by and it says that he had pity on the man and he had mercy on the man. And he began to pick him up, put him on his horse and took him to a place to stay. Said, here's my American Express gold card. Take care of him. I'll pay the bill. And Jesus, at the end of the parable, many of you know it, he said, who was the neighbor to this man? And the guy who Jesus was challenging, he said, well, it was the neighbor who showed him mercy, who did something, not just walked by. And Jesus says, I want you to go and do the same. Are you a merciful person? I was thinking, am I a merciful merciful person? Here's some questions I think that we can ask. Well, the first thing based on this passage in Luke 6 that Jesus talks about, are you a giving person? Are you giving your life to others? Are you giving your life really fully to Jesus? It's really true that everyone is most likely a giver or a taker. There are those who give from their life and there are those who take from others. Oh, it's not always easily seen, but if you spend time around people for a while, you'll quickly pick up on who they are. Are they a giver or are they a taker? It's amazing. I mean, just just think about your marriage. Who's the giver? Who's the taker? A marriage that has two takers is going to really have a hard time making it a marriage with a giver and a taker, depending on how that works out. eh, Hopefully they'll make it, but you have a marriage that's built around two givers. It's going to probably make it because they're always set themselves to give. Trina and I got married. That was the focus of our marriage. We said, you know what? Um, Because I lived through, uh, two, uh, two, almost three divorces or as a child growing up, I said to Trina, we got to make this work no matter what. And we made this decision that regardless, we were going to serve one another, love one another, give to one another. And I know some of you think that, well, how did Trina ever survive all of these years with me? Well, it's because she serves me so well and she's so happy serving me. But don't forget, I serve her. And we've committed to serve one another. 
But we also committed ourselves to serve others. How is that? Are you a giving person or do you have a tendency to take? Another question, are you burdened for others? Do you really care about others? Proverbs eleven seventeen says, the merciful man or woman does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Mercy has to do with helping people who can't bless oftentimes or help you out. But those are the very people Jesus gave mercy to. And he says, those are the people that I'm calling you to give help and grace and love and care for. Merciful people are most concerned about others. Jesus lived his life for me. Jesus gave his life for me. And there were people in my life, and I've told you the stories about him, Fern Hughes, uh, who was an older lady when I was a little boy. I mean, she just seemed aged. But every time she saw me, she would say, I'm praying for you. Ron Snyder, who didn't have anything to gain by being my friend. He was an older uh, person in his probably late 30s, early 40s, a missionary to Liberia who reached out to me, played basketball with me, came to my games when my dad wasn't coming. Do I think those people had influence on where I am today? Absolutely. Because they were burdened for me. And I believe that's what God calls us to do is to be burdened for others. Here's another question. Who are you living for? You want to be successful? Lay your life down for others. You want to be successful in business? You want to be successful in ministry? You want to be successful with your kids in your marriage? Lay your life down for others, for your family. People that you're in contact with, live for them. See, if you're living for Jesus and merciful, you will live for others. How about this one? Are you happy? Do you feel like you're a blessed person? Well, Jesus says that the pathway to happiness and blessing here is that we serve others and we live beyond ourselves. And the last thing that I I just want to touch on in this is we talked about that first of all, you got to feel. Secondly, we're supposed to do something with this mercy prompting. And the last thing is mercy involves forgiving others. See, remember God's, one of his greatest merciful acts is his forgiveness of our sins. Question to ask yourself, do you have any mercy to give today? See, mercy includes three things, the freeing, the, uh, the, excuse me, the feeling, the giving, the forgiving, and the doing. But if you haven't received it, you can't give it. If I don't have it, I can't share it. If I haven't received mercy or feel like I've received mercy from God or others, it's going to be really hard for me to give it. And we can never forget, loved ones, that we receive the ultimate mercy from God so that we can give it to others. And then we can receive more mercy again and again, because that's what Jesus says in Luke 6. It's kind of like this cycle that just keeps going. May not be where we expect it, but it will always come. There's a great story in Matthew 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 21 through 33. Jesus told the story of a man who owed this king $10 million. Well, the king called him in and he insisted, I want you to pay this up. And the man begged him and begged him. And he said, please be patient with me and I'll pay back everything. Well, it says the king had mercy on him. I love that. The king had mercy on him. Oh, it wasn't that he didn't throw him in jail. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cancel your debt. 
$10 million. This is a parable Jesus told. A little while later, he's not far removed from the, from the mercy of this king. There's a guy that owes him literally a few bucks. He grabs the guy, th- grabs him by the throat. I mean, just throttles him and says, I want my money. And the guy, deja vu, says the exact same thing to him that he said to the king. He said, please be patient. Give me time and I will pay you back. The other guy, there is not a chance that he could have ever paid his debt. Even in his lifetime, this guy could have paid him very quickly in a short time. But what does he do? He grabs him by the throat, calls the people, has him thrown in jail. Well, imagine what happens when the king hears about that. He is livid and upset. He calls him in. And he says to him, shouldn't you have had mercy on this man just like I had on you? And this man's lack of mercy was inexcusable because he had received so much more compared to what he didn't give. That's a story about you and me. We are the man who owed God millions. And God forgave us. If you understand that, how can we do anything else but show mercy to others and forgive them? See, these first four Beatitudes set up the last four, starting with merciful, the way that we're to act. Those who are poor and know how much they need God. Those who know that they have sinned and experienced the sorrow of mourning and repentance. These are the best equipped loved ones. When you experience those and you have perspective on it, we are the best equipped to give mercy because we've received it and we understand it. Not only that, but These people, you and I, we have faced our own weaknesses and failures. And hopefully we haven't forgot where we've come from. We don't live in it, but we remember it and are so thankful to the living Christ that he did this for us. When we do that, it's so much easier for us to walk in compassionate love and care with others who were weak and fail. See, it's the pride and the proud and the self-righteous who have such a difficult time being merciful. Secondly, we see that this is a deliberate attempt to understand others. We need to be able to understand others, to try and place yourself in the other person's shoes. Human decisions and actions are the result of incredibly complex factors. We really never know everything that's going on or what's behind the actions or reactions of somebody else. And what we do, we have a tendency, don't we, to kind of, well, assume the worst, but it's rarely true, the worst that we think. Most people don't deliberately set out to harm someone else. Most offenses that we experience are really very, very unintentional. And the question is, do we show mercy? Do we show God's mercy? Sometimes I'll hurt Trina's feelings, never intentionally. But I mean, just recently, we were dealing with this issue that wasn't between her and I, but it's part of our life outside of our relationship, but it comes back to us. 
And I got just a little bit sideways. I got kind of intense with her. And it wasn't anything about her. But as I walked away, as the Lord always does, you better go back and make that right and take responsibility for who you are and what you did. And I went back and I said, listen, May, I'm sorry. Uh, This isn't about you. This is about this other situation. And I explained to her, telling her I was sorry. And she simply said, I know. I understand. (laughs) She gave this old boy some mercy. So I'm so thankful for. Why was she able to give me mercy? You know why? Because she really gave me the benefit of the doubt. She didn't know all the internal things going on within me, but she had an idea. But she had a choice between looking at me and saying, man, is this like an evil, mean, spirited man who wants to hurt me? Or is he just a silly knucklehead who wants to do the right thing, but he needs a good woman to help him. Well, she knew. I'm just a knucklehead who needs a good woman to help me at different points in this relational pathway that we've traveled together for 42 years. Here's what she did. She just gave me the benefit of the doubt because she knew. Yeah, he's just a knucklehead. We'll get through this. I'm so thankful for her mercy. But I'm so thankful for God's mercy. See, Jesus said the merciful are blessed. Why are the merciful blessed? Let me close with this. They're blessed because they're free from bitterness. They don't carry stuff. They don't pack it around. We are blessed. The merciful are blessed because they don't have to play judge and jury on everyone's life. They are blessed because they enjoy relationships in spite of human failure. And mostly we're blessed because we've received mercy from Jesus. So today, question is this, do you need mercy? The forgiveness and the life of Jesus, the King? In just a moment, there's going to be a hand there on your little screen that you can click and say, I want to receive the mercy of Christ. I encourage you to click it and say, today, I choose Jesus and his mercy. I want to receive that so that I can experience not only eternal life in heaven, but a little bit of heaven on earth because I'm walking with the king in his kingdom. Maybe you need to give some mercy encourage you to do a little heart work and just say, Lord, who do I need to give mercy to today? And maybe for some of us, we need to enlarge our heart in this season, especially. And say, who do I have a burden for? Who do I need to reach out to? What neighbor, what coworker? And begin to say, Jesus, would you give me the opportunity to speak to them? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you have given us your son, God's indescribable gift to us and for us to live in us and to work through us. Lord, help us not to see these beatitudes as simply goals to achieve, but we see it as a lifestyle to embrace. And today I pray for my friends that if there's anybody online today that just simply says, I need Jesus, I want to embrace this merciful one, 
and I want to receive of his life so I can be more merciful. Would you friend just say a little prayer with me that just says, Lord, I'm poor. I'm a, I'm a sinner and I, I've failed and I need the king in my life to establish a new kingdom. Not a kingdom of thingdom, not a kingdom of meedom, but a new kingdom. And if that's you, would you just click on that little hand? And I'd love to have you share your, uh, with somebody there, go on a chat and uh, give them your name and just talk to them so they can encourage you and pray with you if you'd do that. But do that or call us here at the church. But just say a prayer that says, Lord, I choose you today. Maybe some of you need to go forgive somebody. I pray, God, give them the strength, the wherewithal to be merciful, even as you are merciful to us. And Lord, enlarge all of our hearts this holiday season to reach out to people, to touch them, to be burdened by them, to create margin so we can show the mercies of God through our life. Thank you, Lord, for these people today. I pray your blessing upon them as we rush headlong into this season. But Lord, give us margin to show your mercy. I pray this and believe for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.